1: Welcome back everybody to another episode of Steelers Draft Talk. I'm your host Steelers DB. With me is my good buddy Nick Martin. Today we are going to be talking about the interior defensive line class for the 2023 NFL Draft. Excited to get into these rankings with you guys, break down the players, strengths, weaknesses, all that stuff. Uh, before we get started, Nick, how we doing brother?
0: Oh man, I'm I'm doing good. Uh, it's always great when you get to watch uh watch someone and then you coincidentally like start liking a prospect a little bit more, um, who you're not directly watching. Like you just gain a little bit of a new perspective and that kind of happened with me with one of the prospects in this class.
1: Yeah. The interesting group of guys, um, definitely a position group that I felt like I'd grown to, I guess, appreciate a little bit more. Um, just my overall thoughts on the interior due to the class in general. Um, I think it's got some guys up at the top that um, obviously we'll get to the number one guy. He's you a know, superstar, but um, I think it's got some guys up at the top that are going to be productive starters at the next level. Um, the depth of the class is something that I've kind of questioned just because I've been unable to find like a ton of guys that I see like starter kind of upside with. Um, more rotational pieces than anything else but there's um, a good amount of pe- of pieces um, around that top five range that I think are going to be productive players that all have uh, very different skill sets which I kind of appreciate because like you said uh, watching these guys like back to back seeing how different they move how different they play uh, was kind of interesting to me so uh, what's your thoughts on the overall class? I really enjoyed
0: this class overall, and um, as I've gone to watch some of the depth, I've actually thought that some of the uh, later guys might have a little more straightforward projections. Um, for instance, guys that just missed out on, like, you know, cracking the the top five, um, even top six. Um, guys like Kobe Turner, Dante Stills, Moro, Jomo, Zach Pickens, Javon Dexter. You got, like, these highly developmental guys, like Pickens and dexter who have you know the length the the, the size the ability but they're just kind of raw in a lot of the aspects of their game and you hope you can develop them or in a jomo who has like a lot has a really high power profile you can't um he's not as bendy as you'd like but you can see his ability as a run stuffer and and as a power rusher it comes through stills who in my opinion i thought he dominated the uh shrine game uh in every every single day he was just so hard to block in terms of his quickness his his explosive get off his hands he's just won really quickly and then i think kobe turner from wake forest he is an older guy but he is a starter as a three technique in this league i think he is way too strong at the point of attack as a run defender and I think as a pass rusher, he just consistently pushes the pocket and he has the the get off the quickness to be able to have those quick wins as well.
1: Yeah, I want to get to a little bit more of Turner. I've seen a lot of clips, but he wasn't a guy that I was able to really get to um, in full. But I know he's gained a lot of steam. It seems like yeah. um, a lot of bigger names are kind of talking him up uh, recently. So he's definitely a guy that I want to uh, try to get to before draft weekend, but um, you mentioned a couple of guys that kind of fell outside that top five, uh, just the guy that I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit was, uh, was Gervon Dexter from Florida. Um, this dude, all the tools in the world in terms of just a uh, combination of, you know, size, strength, and quickness, um, mm-hmm. just overall athletic ability. Um, he is just really raw in my opinion uh in terms of figuring out the best way to maximize like his physical gifts that he was given so um he fell out sort of the top five for me um he's one of those guys that will you know wow you with some special plays like once or twice um a week and it'll leave you wanting a lot more than what you actually get from him uh he yeah. had an incredible rep i'm trying to remember who it was against but where he basically you know comes straight off the ball is able to lock out He peaks to one side. The running back kind of bounces it to the left. He's able to immediately just shed this guy, throw him to the side, make the tackle in the backfield. Um, You know, his combination, again, of, you know, size and athleticism with his strength. um, There is a really, really good player in there somewhere. You know, he's only, I think, 21 years old, too. Mm -hmm. So um, plenty of runway left. It's just getting him to develop a better pass rush plan. Um, I think that that that'll come with time, hopefully uh, depending on his landing spot. So I'm intrigued by him. I definitely think he's a uh, he's going to be he has a chance to be a really, really good player. Um, it, it really just depends on if he's able to hit that ceiling with uh, some more development. So um, I see that. Yeah, let's uh, let's get into these rankings, man. Who, who you got at number five?
0: So I'm going to say my actual honorable mention, which is number six, Brian Brizzy, Um who I who I gained a little bit of a new perspective on overall from watching Trent Simpson. Um, in particular um, it's the Tennessee and the UNC game were his best games by far out of like all of his film I've watched I thought those games they really showcase just how much different of a player he is not only when he's healthy but when he doesn't have so much on his mind as well. he had to go through a lot uh, losing, um, his sister to cancer uh, during the season and I can't imagine that was that was easy to go through, let alone recovering from an ACL injury. There's a lot of context with Brian Prizzy. Um one of the best athletes in this entire class in terms of high weight speed, like he has some blistering quickness to just be able to win off the line of scrimmage. I, I, it was tough to leave him off my top five. I, I genuinely think he is one of those guys who's more scheme versatile. Than you know, some of the guys that are in my top five, but you know, I had to mention Brzee, who I gained a little bit more of a perspective on. My go ahead. Oh, oh I was gonna say, um, if you have any thoughts on Brzee, uh, uh,
1: I'm... yeah, I'll, I'll hold on to those because he, he's in my top five. So, I, I, I do have a lot of thoughts, uh, some of which already match kind of some of the things that you said.
0: Okay, all right. So my number five is uh, Aditamiwa Miwa Adibare, and a lot of it has to do with his interior his interior clips as a three tech is a pure attacking three technique. When one of the things that is very difficult about his evaluation is you are going off strictly a traits based projection. So when you're watching the Senior Bowl, you're watching the types of things that he could be able to do. One of the hangups I had about Adibare mainly when it came to him as an edge defender, he is not as bendy as you expect a guy like him to be. And because of that, he can't turn the corner as consistently as you would like. But from the interior, you know, he he can soften his hands a little more, be able to turn the corner a little bit better. Um, But also his power is just more on display. Like he's just able to overwhelm guys with his leverage and his length and I think he holds the point of attack decently as a run defender in those situations because he's able to leverage guys out he's able to get low and bend um, within his knees and get his hands in the pad in the chest of the offensive lineman you, you just kind of saw the that ability at the senior bowl and you want to just harness it guys like that you you can't leave off your list no matter how you feel because like trace space projections are just very difficult. But Aditami Wadabare, sign me up for him at, if I'm if I'm if I'm running a pure attacking scheme where I can have him just attack as a three technique.
1: He was outside the top five for me, but he, he is a guy that um incredibly interesting, just in terms of like you said, from a from a traits perspective. I mean that dude tested out, out of this world. I know at the senior bowl, he was a guy that I, you know, I think you had mentioned him like uh, during the season and I I had one been wanting to get to watch him. Um, but I would only seen like really like small clips, um, and pieces, but at the senior bowl, he really flashed, man. Like as a pass rusher, um, like you said, I, I know some people are like projecting him, you know, as like an edge rusher just because of like some of the, some of the freaky movements that he's got. Um, when I was watching, I, I saw like more three tech, maybe a guy that can um, run some stunts and twists like with that athleticism. But um, really interesting player um, to me, like you said, I think we're we're looking at him as more of like a tools and traits kind of guy that you're just trying to develop um, for the long term. I'm not really sure how like one of the big questions I had on him is like where is he going to contribute like early on, like why what when he kind of is still finding his way. You know what I'm saying? So yeah,
0: and. Um, that's one of the things that's really fascinating about him. He may be number five, but guys behind him like Kobe Turner might have just a much more straightforward projection to the league. And I think that's always a fun balance of trying to figure things out, you know, traits versus um, versus NFL readiness, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And this, this, this class has a lot of those guys, man. Like Mm -hmm. um, I think with Adebaro, just Adebaro, just that, uh, that first step of his man, it, it can, it can really go like when he gets, when he gets off the ball, good. Um, he could put a lot of stress on, on offensive linemen. So I'm, in, I'm intrigued by him, uh, and his development. He was a guy that, um, I had a day two grade on. I, I think he actually could go like potentially maybe like top 50 just based on the traits. Um, yeah, I think, I think NFL teams are going to be all over the place with this class in terms of how to rank them. So, um, I'll get into my number five guy. My, my number five guy is Keanu Benton, um, 6'4", 310 pounds, 34-inch uh, arms, excellent length uh, for his profile. But uh, just some of my notes on him, uh, powerful, stout frame throughout. You know, he's a really well-built player. Um, hands, probably one of the best things about him. Uh, his hands pack a pop. He uh, moves defenders, like, everlessly. Um, one of the better block shutters in this class um, as a run defender. Um He's got a pretty strong anchor at the point of attack. He can generate some pass rush or some penetration as well, um, as a run defender, uh, or as a, as a pass rusher, um, his go-to moves seem to be like, uh, you know, I saw him using the long arms some club swims that, that seemed pretty, uh, effortless for him. Um, he's a gradually improving pass rusher. I think he had like five, six sacks this past season, uh, without any type of pass rush production really before then, um. You know, but I thought at the senior bowl, that was really where I was like, OK, like he's starting to kind of put some stuff together as a pass rusher. So um, love the motor that he plays with. He, you know, play he backside pursuit plays. You know, he he flows to the ball very well. Um, I think his motor runs hot at all times. And I, I think there's alignment, versatility with him. I know um, some people view him as like a nose tech, like zero tech, one tech shade. Um, I personally think he's a three-tech. I, I like him more as a three-tech than I do at as, as a nose. Um, and that really aligns kind of with my um, negatives or weaknesses for him. I think he needs to play a better pad level to absorb uh, doubles or combos. Um, I think he's a solid athlete, like a solid to above average athlete. But I don't see – one of the things that was tough, like before I, before I watched him at the Senior Bowl – I watched him a little bit last year during the season and I watched and I was like, this dude's, this dude's a really solid player. Like I don't see any like thing. That's just like a glaring weakness. That's going to keep him off the field. But I don't know if I see anything that he does like extremely well. That is like, I got to have that. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah, I feel like he's a well-rounded prospect, but I don't think he has this Trump card or jump off the paper type of trait. That maybe some of these other guys kind of have. And that was why, you know, he's a guy to me that um, I feel like is an easy projection, just in terms of, um, you know, I know what he's going to be. I just don't know if he's going to give you the type of upside that some of these other guys will. So,
0: yeah. I definitely think that's one of the uh, more interesting parts about Keanu Benton's valuation because he's very much a safe player in this class versus the other guys. I have him a little higher, so I'm going to say my thoughts a little bit for him, for him a little later. Oh, actually, no, he's uh, he's <laughs> speaking of just a little bit higher. He's actually number four on my list. Um, oh, there you go. Yeah. So symmetry. I, yeah. So Benton. Uh, for me, the thing that stands out about him—you mentioned it—it's the hand. It's the hand usage. It was outstanding at the Senior Bowl. He's actually a two-time state wrestler. Um he was, state, he was a two-time state. was a two-time state qualifier as, as, in high school as a wrestler, and he was like two hundred eighty five pounds at the time he was a wrestler, and you can really just see that that background with his ability to just use his hands. Like, there's a there's a more consistent pass rush plan from Keanu Benton than i've seen from some of these edge rushers (laughs) when it comes to just using their using his hands consistently and i think that's something i really appreciate about his game the nitpick i have about him as a pass rusher i do not think he likes to use speed to power enough and i think that is one of the weirdest things about him because he's got this really rocked up like just beefy frame it reminds me a lot of BJ Hill in that regard, in terms of how he's in terms of how he's built. You know, he's a long guy, but he just constantly works on his, you know, on beating the hands first before he does anything else. And I'm just like, man, just drive this dude back. You're you're 300 something pounds, so you're this big. You got this length on you, like just just drive him back and. I think that was the thing that happened at the Senior Bowl was guys started to get privy to that, and he ended up not winning as much uh, later, later in the, in the week. yeah later in the week. And we, you can definitely see it with Benton, like the versatility, like he has the ability to potentially two gap as a, as a five technique, um, in those four, you know, in those in the situations he can attack as a three technique and. Obviously, he played a lot more nose at Wisconsin. I don't think that's his main role, but I think it's a role he can play, and it's why he's one of the most versatile interior defenders in this class.
1: Mm-hmm. Completely agree. Yeah, I I know. Um, it's just interesting because, like, he's been a guy that's been, you know, obviously extremely linked to the Steelers, and seeing everybody's opinions on him on like where he should play has been kind of interesting to me because it does seem like people, um, definitely have differing opinions on, on there, but to me, um, you know, I'm playing him at three tech. This is, this is what I'm doing. I'm, yeah. I'm playing him at three tech, four tech, and then I'm most sliding into like a two eye, um, kind of technique whenever they go into, um, you know, sub packages. So, uh, my number four guy, uh, is Mozzie Smith from Michigan, uh, 6'3, 337 pounds, near 34 inch arms as well, uh, just a tad shorter um, than Benton, but. Um, he was the number one player on Feldman's freak list. Didn't quite test there, but there was some stuff going on. I think, um, around the time he was kind of testing with some of this stuff, but still an incredible athlete for his size, especially on tape. Um, unbelievable strength at the point of attack, arguably the best block shedding player in this class. I don't know how you feel about that, but that was my overwhelming thought. Like when I was watching him, man, like This dude is just an incredibly difficult dude to sustain blocks on because of how powerful he is. Um, Just incredibly strong, powerful hands, you know, grip strength to literally um, like one of his favorite moves is uh, the push pull. So he gets these little uh, he works almost everything off power. So he'll have like a power pop into a rip as a pass rusher or he'll go with like a push where he gets his hands inside. Uh, your shoulders and then just rip you down. I mean, I saw him do this to like Ohio State's interior offensive line, like Luke Whippler, guys like that, literally just throw them down like ragdolls. Um, so the power, very impressive. Um, he has the exact frame that you're really looking for in a nose tackle. Um, highly conditioned player. This is something I was looking at. Um, a little nugget that I ran across. I was doing some research on him for my YouTube video last week. Um, this dude played almost 50 snaps against power five competition, like a game. And like, you think of a guy that's 340 pounds. I don't know what he was playing at, but like, we think of these like nose tackles and stuff like these guys, um, even in college these days, like they just don't play that many snaps. Um, uh, this dude, like highly conditioned played a lot of reps, which is something yeah. that I appreciate. Um, the quickness, um, to roam laterally, um, he's a difficult player to run zone, against because he has the quickness to beat and defeat reach blocks um shoot into the backfield i personally think after watching so much of his film because he's a guy that i've spent a lot of time on i think he's an underrated pass rusher i know like he only has like half a sack or something like that on the box score but this dude generates pressure man like if you actually like sit down and watch like he pushes the pocket um you know he has some quick wins that result into like throwaways or errant throws um Pressure is a really good indicator of future success, and I just think that there's enough pressure there that I think he's going to be a, you know, I don't see him ever being a dominant pass rusher, Aaron Donald or anything like that. But he's, I, I think he's a good enough pass rusher to where, like, in years two and three, like you can probably start to rotate him him into like your uh, your passing down situation fronts, um, and he can help you there. So, um, just in terms of the negatives. For a player that's explosive, as explosive as this, he is incredibly slow off the ball. I mean, the dude, he's consistently the last guy off the ball on that Michigan uh, defensive line. And I also, like, one of the things I was surprised with, with him just because I, I had seen so much on Twitter about him heading into the summer and last year, and everybody was describing him as this player that was, um, you know, this two-gap plugger in the middle, Um, eat up kind of blocks type of guy. I didn't think he was that great against double teams. Like yeah. I thought that he would be kind of folded or driven back uh, and double teams were able to kind of generate some displacement on him. I don't know why that was because the dude's obviously extremely strong. I think that um, part of the issue is he could play a little bit high and stand straight up in his stance after the snap. Um, but still, what he can do like you can't block this dude with one guy that's the thing like against the run like if you block it doesn't matter who you bring you try to block this dude with one guy and he's going to make three or four plays uh for negative uh plays that only results in like one to two yards so um good player i'm 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 interested to see like kind of just how high the nfl uh takes him
0: i think the nfl likes Mozzie smith more than the average fan does and i think many analysts were early on mozzie smith mozzie smith is my number three interior defensive uh, lineman and the thing i just really appreciate about with his game like you said i think he's just an underrated pass rusher like his like his ability with his length and his like and just how strong his grip is like he's got these really big hands like people don't understand like when you measure in with those large like hands, you can just shock guys on contact, and it just it's so consistent with Mozzie Smith. He just shocks guys on contact, and if you want to see him just absolutely destroy like a team in the pass rush department, watch the Iowa game. <laughs> they could not block him one on one at all. Ohio
1: State he, couldn't block him. I mean, it was I, it was wild.
0: There there were just there were just no teams like like in terms of just consistently being able to block him and even like you know guys like Steve Avila for TCU they still had their struggles with with Mozzie especially in in like the one-on-one in the run game and that's the thing I just really like about Mozzie Smith is I think he's a better attacker than he is as a um, overall read and react type player I think he could get there with time but I think one of the things you saw you mentioned it in terms of taking on doubles he's extremely inconsistent there are times where i think he holds the point of attack fine versus doubles and then like two snaps later he's getting driven like 5 yards off the line of scrimmage and i'm just like what 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 happens here like that's just one of those things about Mozzie smith that's really polarizing and that's probably why it, it's he's been such a polarizing player You mentioned his power, like he just plays from this super wide squat frame. Like in terms of his base, he's just really wide, and he just gets all that power with his. In terms of generating off the bull rush, I just think he's a player. And you mentioned the snap count; that's the most important thing about nose tackles. Can you keep them on the field? One of the ever like one of the best nose tackles in the league this year. Dexter Lawrence, he played so many snaps and he was able to contribute as a pass rusher. That's like the high-end spectrum for a guy like Mozzie Smith, but it's possible for a guy like that who's so strong, who has the ability to quickly win off the line scrimmage, doesn't always show it in terms of his get-off, but you see the absolute like ability in terms of just being able to harness that and, and get that level of consistency. And I think that's one of the things that's fun about Mozzie Smith is he's there, there's things to work with now. And then there's things to look forward to in the future if you have the right development staff around him.
1: Yeah. And I think that too, like a lot of times like guys with, you know, enticing tools like we label as, you know, high ceiling prospects, but I almost feel like the conversation around Mozzie has been like, well, he's this high floor guy. Like we know what he is. He's a run defender. Like he's going to be good in that department. But offers nothing as a pass rusher. And I just – I don't think that the 2022 tape says that. I just – I know what the box score says, but um, I think that there's just enough pressures there. And, like, even if he – at the next level, even if he's a two-to-three sack guy that generates you 25, 30 pressures, which I don't think is, like, a crazy scenario for him, along with what he does as a one-on-one run defender – that's incredibly valuable. Like yes. I, I, you can, we can talk all day about every team. What would, would one want to get their uh, hands on guys like that? So um just moving into my number two player. Um, I have, or, well, I guess it's my number three. Um, I have Kalaja Kansi. So, can't see I know he's a polarizing guy because, um, you know, his stock has been just soaring, I feel like, from where it was um, during the actual college football season. Um, six foot, 280 pounds, um, just the absolute best pass rusher that I saw last season. I think he's the best pure pass rusher in the class. And what I mean by that, just in terms of um, the pass rushing toolkit and overall refinement, yes. um, is pretty freaking incredible i mean this dude has a deep deep bag of pass rushing moves i've seen this dude use um a swim move a cross chop double swipe he has counters he can spin um, extremely explosive with his first step Um, obviously has the natural leverage to him he he bends extremely well through contact and plays with a high motor uh, one of the most productive players in college football um, over the course of his career, um, over the especially over the course of last season, um, I think he reads blocking schemes well. Um, does show the ability to guy to beat guys to the spot um, and evade tacklers or blockers, excuse me, uh, with his agility and quickness. Um, the negatives for him, pretty straightforward. Like I said, cancy was a very easy person for me to evaluate. Um, The negatives for him, I just do not think he is ever going to be an NFL caliber run defender. Like, this is a dude that it would shock me if he was an above average run defender at the next level. Like, I think that he might, might at his very best be able to get to somewhere around average. Um, but he's going to struggle like the lack of length when guys get their hands on him. He he just really struggles to disengage. And like, that's that's just it's tough when you're 280 pounds and you're playing in the interior like that. Um, I thought he was moved off his spot or out of gaps um, when guys were able to get their hands on him. He's going to struggle a little bit at the point of attack. Um, what is his role? This is the valuation um, versus evaluation kind of argument. I think he's a very easy evaluation because I think that this dude has the chance to be an elite pass rusher along the interior at the next level. I also think that he's not a real NFL run defender. um, That's going to be able to play 50 to 60 snaps. I just, I don't, I just don't see it. I don't even see really like a path to getting there. I could be wrong. Having said that, I still think that this dude playing 30, 40 snaps or 30 snaps even in pass rushing situations could be a dude that gets you double digit sacks because I don't think that, um I don't even think NFL guards are going to be able to handle his bag of moves. Like the one hangup I have about him as a pass rusher is like, he's not, he's not a bull rusher and like, you just don't really see a lot of interior guys that win with tactical refinement and speed like this. Like normally you want to see some type of, Uh, ability to threaten guys where you run through their chest. Kansky can't really do that, but everything else is like quantifiably like elite territory. Um, So for me, I'm still comfortable taking him um, early on day two. It sounds like he could go round one. I think that's pretty risky because I don't know. It depends on how you value pass rushing ability. I, I think it's incredibly important, and that's why the run defense stuff doesn't really bother me to where I'm out on him as a player, I would love to get him some situations where I think he would really thrive. Philadelphia, where you could put him uh, next to a guy like Jordan Davis, um, any any type of front that is going to allow me to get him in one on one situations consistently in pass rushing situations, give it to me because he's get, he's going to absolutely wreck quarterbacks at the next level. Um, so I'm in on Cansey, but I just. I think you have to be very um, honest with yourself about his limitations of what he is as a player.
0: That honest um, talk about his uh, limitations as a player. This leads to a good talk. I have Kalijah Kansi actually as an edge edge defender. And as of right now, he would be my edge four on, on my, uh, on my board and when it comes to the discussion of why I ultimately settled on him being an edge defender, it had to do with the run defense, particularly with his, his small arms. I think that is one of the things that was really concerning because you look at a guy that just has on like he's an outlier in terms of his length. It's, it's unprecedented, like he's under 31 inches um, in terms of his in terms of his arm length. That's that's really hard to get behind. But you mentioned the pass rush plan. It's so consistent with him and something I don't think he gets cr- enough credit for He t- He is more aware of chips and double teams, like in terms of just like understanding, like, you know, when the tight end, how to account for it and beat them first before, or like, okay, I beat, I beat the guard. Now I, I know the running backs coming to chip uh, coming to uh, block me. And then he'll just like, steamroll the running back it, like he has he has um an idea like he's planning for the next move constantly and i think that's something that's really awesome about colijah Cancy. his hands are always tied to his feet like he's a guy that i just think if you just line up as a wide nine there's gonna be instances where he's going to just absolutely destroy guys with his ability to like vary his like his tempo in terms of like you know delaying his rush and like, you know, stuttering his feet more or just being able to just tee off and just being able to bend around the corner because that's something we don't talk about enough with Kalajikansi. This dude can bend. He has really good bend to be able to just turn the turn like, like just really sharp corners at the apex. There's just really good things about him that can translate as an edge defender. And I do think just playing more one-on-one while tackles tend to have more length I think he can hold up better as a base package edge defender as a run defender as opposed to him playing in base as a interior defensive lineman now could you get him in a pure attacking three in a pure attacking scheme as a three technique yes Philadelphia Chicago those are really good landing spots for him if you want him to do that and one of the biggest differences um, for me uh, between him and Ed Oliver, Ed Oliver did not have a pass rush plan, mm-hmm. a- and that's one of the big things of why the Bills have been so blo- have been so hesitant to give him another deal. Is he just doesn't provide enough as a pass rush to be able to deal with his mediocre run defense? And I think that's the thing you hang your hat on with Cansey, and whether he's an edge defender, whether he's an interior defensive lineman. I think we can both agree that he's just a really good player and the evaluation versus valuation. It's just a great point. You know, it's not a hard evaluation. It's a hard valuation.
1: Yeah. And, and like, he's a guy that you're going to have to be very aware of like what situation you're putting him in, what players you're surrounding him with, um, the scheme, all that stuff's going to really matter for him. But like, I think at the end of the day, the pass rushing upside is worth it. worth the risk. Um, but just one more thing about like what how Kansas wins as a pass rusher. I think he sets rushers or sets blockers up extremely well. Like he'll use pace, he'll use tempo, little stutters, hesitations to get guys off balance. So like as a as an offensive lineman, like you know you go into game uh, game situations or you know your film study, you're thinking, all right, like when do I have to brace for guys to go like speed to power? When do I have to you know just get threatened by him just coming with the bull rush like can see you're not gonna have to do that but like the way that he kind of minimizes that effect in my opinion is like he'll switch up his pace to where you know blockers will kind of get antsy a little bit and shoot their hands early and that's when he goes with the double swipe yeah. and the cross chop or you know stuff like that so I think him being able to keep guys off balance with pace and manipulation almost compensates for his kind of inability to just run through their chest so uh, he's an interesting player. I think he will be one of these guys that we'll look back on five years from now and say, I learned my lesson one way or another with this player. Like, you're either going to look back on it and be like, well, I'm an idiot. I was wrong. I'm never betting on this type of profile again. Or, hey, you know what? I viewed that wrong. Or I was, you know, I was right to bet on like these specific traits. So he'll be an interesting player to look at, um, you know, at the next level. But who's your number three guy?
0: Uh um, number two, actually. Oh, number two. Okay. Yeah. This is gonna probably upset you, but uh I have Lucas Van Ness is my number two.
1: Okay. I- I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah, no. So biggest thing with me with Lucas Van Ness is I just think he has a unreal power profile to be able to push the pocket back. Something that he like when he lines up as a three technique and he is just teeing off on these guys, he doesn't have any idea what he's doing. This this guy is like he'll he'll get he'll he'll launch he'll like completely penetrate into the backfield but he'll completely give up his his gap integrity. That's one of the things you're going to have to teach him overall. And that's why kind of like Iowa they didn't really know what to do with him. He's just he was a really powerful guy, he had all these traits, but he was very raw in terms of his football understanding. Something I, I think the Iowa State game is one of my favorites to showcase because it just shows him being able to you know just one arm guys be be able to hold the point of attack as a as you know as a as a potential two gap player and be able to tackle the ball carrier with your other arm. And like I just think they' that you you count the length, the strength combo. If you put like at least 10 more pounds on him, I could see a world where he's a Justin Smith type of defensive lineman. I don't think he's a guy that I want playing on the edge full time. Cause I don't think he's very, I don't think he's very bendy in terms of like, you know, that type of ability with his ability as an edge, edge defender. And he's also just really raw with his pass rush plan. He's just teeing off guys and just beating, you know, just, just beating them off the line. And you talk about the get off the quickness that, that type of potential. I think it's better suited for the interior interior. And you know, going up against guards that he just he just has a length advantage on. He's just really powerful. He has, he can generate that leverage. And it's going to be a you know a process for him if you develop him in that regard because I think what you you know you're you're gonna have to not only get have him gain weight he has to gain an understanding of your scheme if you're running a two gap system you're gonna want him to be more disciplined with his gap integrity not always just running into the, running into the teeth of the uh, offensive lineman immediately like you know he's got to see what he's hitting that's one of the things that he has to work on is he doesn't always have he's not always peaking when he locks and sheds and. I think that's something you can work on. I've been burned in the past by guys like this. Taven Bryan was a huge one for me. Um, Guys who just get J.J. Watt comparisons out of, you know, first off, the Watt comparison does not work here. I don't like it. But guys who get the Watt comparison, they tend to be these really strong guys, and they just don't have any earthy idea what they're doing. And Watt was not like that coming out of college. He was NFL ready. And I just think Lucas Van Ness, you count his age and just the trade space projection, I think he fits more as an interior defensive lineman. Best case is an edge defender, he could be like a Trey Hendrickson type power rusher off the, off the edge. But I just don't think he's as bendy as Hendrickson was.
1: Yeah, I... Uh... I agree. I think Hendrickson is actually like a really good call for him. And like Hendrickson, full disclosure, was a guy that like um, didn't he, he took a little bit to break out um, in the league. But he's a guy who is, I think, an outlier in terms of how most traditional edge rushers win at the NFL level. Like there's just um, he's one of the very few guys that win like purely with power. Off the yeah. edge. I mean, just not really a ton of like, you know, he doesn't have a ton of moves. He doesn't really corner extremely well. Um, but he, you know, will run through your face. So um, maybe, maybe that is best case scenario uh for Van Ness. Um, I'm not gonna get into Van Ness just because um my thoughts on him are already well <laughs> So it just at this point I just come off like a hater. Um my number two guy is uh Brian Brzee. This this dude, I went back and forth um literally i've went back and forth for months on how to rank him uh to be honest with you because um you know six five three hundred five pounds i remember watching this dude as a freshman at clemson like live like live tv viewings and was like this dude's him like this dude is the next one like he is going to be Um, I got out of put money on the fact that he was going to be a first round pick then and there and felt like very comfortable on it. So, um, one of the top ranked recruits coming out of high school, um, like I said, burst onto the scene immediately. I think he had like 22 pressures as a freshman. Um, the burst that he plays with is pretty rare for a guy his size. Um, has the potential to be a premier gap penetrator at the next level. Um, there are one to two like jaw dropping plays that he makes um, about every week when he's healthy that leave you just speechless because you know he just doesn't move like most guys his size moves. Um, I think that when he plays with good pad level, he can hold up against double teams as a three tech. Um, just extremely twitchy, like upfield, laterally. You can run games with him. He's alignment versatile. You can split him out to where he's over the tackle. You can, you know, in pass rushing situations, you can get him over the center, um, line this dude up, you know, whatever the matchup is you're trying to get you know, line him up there. I think he's uh, got a really strong upper body. Um, he's got strong hands um, that he uses at the point of attack. He can, uh, I think he's like really go-to moves mostly from what it seemed like to me were like a rip. Um, I've seen him use club swim to kind of yes. get quick wins um, at the line of scrimmage as well. Um, concerns with him, kind of two fold things that uh, go hand in hand, pad level and lower body strength. Um, this dude just does not anchor extremely well when his pad level is high, like, he just he consistently plays high, and it drives me insane. Um, I don't know what it is, I just he's got a quick first step off the line of scrimmage, but when he is trying to diagnose like run plays, you will gradually see his just shoulder pads raise, and that's where like I felt like blockers were able to just easily move him off the spot. Um, He needs to get uh, stronger in his um, lower body as well uh, just to continue generating like some power as a rusher. Um, But I do think that when he plays with good pad level, he can absorb double teams well enough as a three tech. Then just the biggest question for me is like. What you mentioned, like all of the stuff that happened with him um, off the field, you know, extremely difficult circumstances with his sister And then obviously coming back from an ACL injury, I really wanted to dive into the tape. I watched like three and a half games, I think, uh, from this year. And then just some clips um, that I could find of like his pressures and stuff to see if like his athleticism was still really there post ACL. He didn't look as explosive this past year as he did uh, in 2021 before the injury or as a freshman that I remembered. But. I also know that it normally takes guys like two years to kind of regain like their form from ACL injuries. So that's something that I'm trying to like bank on is that he's going to be there physically and mentally, you know, you mentioned guys that go through like traumatic experiences, like this, really difficult, obviously to, you know, focus on football. I mean, with everything else going on. So, um, you know, this is, this is one where I'm just, I'm betting on, that 18 19 year old kid that I saw his freshman year at Clemson I'm betting on this dude um, maximizing his physical gifts with that explosiveness that lateral agility um, those tools to kind of find more consistency uh, and some more luck honestly at the next level so
0: yeah you meant you mentioned the luck I mean dealing with injuries and whatever happened off the you know off the field it's it's very difficult to deal with but the thing about Brzee that was a really interesting conversation uh, when ranking him because while i've you know i've named these guys off um 4 through about 6 is very tightly contested like Brzee mm-hmm. is one of those guys that like i view him as a higher upside player than a guy like Keanu Benton for sure but Brazee is not necessarily a guy I'm opposed of to go earlier than, than Benton. If I, if if like a team could, like a person or someone, if like we're in meeting, like, you know, meetings and we're talking about players, they could convince me on a player like Brian Brazee based off his best, you know, his best plays, but based off his best games, like the 2021 Georgia game, that was a very impressive game. And, I think when he came, I think at the end of the season, the UNC, the Tennessee game, that's when he started to become, you know, he started to get his explosiveness back and you really saw it. So I definitely get the argument for having Brzee as your number two defensive, interior defensive lineman.
1: Yeah, there was a play in the, in the North Carolina game where he like had this ridiculously uh Quick win. I think he's lined up as like a four on the left uh side of the formation. And um basically he beats this guard in about like half a second. I mean, he instantly comes off the ball, just explodes off the ball, little club, club rip action, um, and gets back. And unfortunately, the ball kind of came out really early. But um, you know, there there's those flashes where you're like, dude, like that's what I'm saying. Like,
0: Defensive yeah, line
1: coaches are gonna want to get their hands on this dude, exactly. Just because yeah. he's got all the tools that you can't really coach. It's just a matter of like helping him find some consistency um, and him to continue just growing his game. So, yeah, I'll, I'll let you uh, go first on the on the freak that's at number one. Yeah, there's
0: there's no mystery here on who's number one at all. Uh, it is Jalen Carter from Georgia basically take every aspect uh you said about Brian Breze in terms of his um in terms of his best traits give him a uh, Mozzie Smith's hand like his absolute heavy hand usage and that that there's Jalen Carter that's that's him <laughs> that's him because this dude just shocks guys on contact instantly he has been to be able to f- to flatten to the quarterback he can he's got hand usage for days one of the things about Carter that's really fun to watch for him is Georgia's scheme doesn't really allow these guys to attack. But when Carter was attacking, this dude was actually like just either blowing them up with a bull rush. He was club swimming over guys. He was ripping through them. Like he has a, he has enough of a, of a pass rush tool set to be able to contribute like right away in that regard, like cart. And then you talk about him as a run defender. This dude holds up on doubles so well like he's got this he's got this bait like really wide base but he also is able to keep his pad level low enough that he's winning the leverage battle he has that contact balance just be able to just be to be able to just keep himself from being knocked off balance when he's getting doubled and chipped and that's just one of the things about Carter. He's just that's the blue chip player that's the best player in this class and terms of watching him on film, but we have the off-field concern that, you know, became you know became recent to us in terms of like it kind of surprised a lot of us in terms of what we were expect you know expecting from Carter. And then he showed up to his pro day like around a week later after the combine and he was out of shape. One of the things that is very difficult about the draft process and stuff like this you have to analyze the human element um, versus, you know, what how, what, what is Jalen Carter feeling right now, you know, in terms of just like he's a 21 year old kid who's going through this. Like, how would he be able to handle this? You know, the fact he showed up out of shape. Is there is there context behind it or, you know, just how much do we know that he's involved with in this whole case like that's a very tough conversation to have and it's one that i i don't have a proper answer for because we just don't know and Mm -hmm. but we but what we do know is what he's put on film he's the best player in this class on film there's no there's no he is up there with the quinn and williams uh in terms of just guys, I have watched at the SEC just absolutely, utterly dominate guys like Osiris Torrance is one of the strongest dudes in this could class, block him. and he could not block him. And that's one of the things I just find so impressive about Carter. He will win against anyone, everyone. Doesn't matter where he lines up along the interior, he's going to be an instant, just instant star in the yeah. in the league if you're getting him at his
1: best and you guys can go through the playlist. Like we talked about the offensive of line class. What was that last week or the week before? And literally like my weaknesses for Torrance was Jalen Carter. Like yes. I literally had that in my notes. Like he just Torrance is 347 pounds, 350 pounds. And like Carter was making him look like a 280 under undersized guard. Like, I mean, it just, it, the amount of power that he can generate in his hands, um, is just, it's just different. Like you said, Quentin Williams was my, um, I, I love Quentin Williams coming out. I, sure. I think, but I, I think Carter can be better. I really do. And I think Quentin, like, I know it took him maybe, um, I don't know why everybody gets so impatient. Like I say, it took him a, a little bit to figure out. I think he was like still like a star level player after like year three. Um, but I think it took maybe Quentin a season longer than like maybe people were anticipating, but I, I see the same type of ability in Jalen Carter. Um just to, you know, you you already hit the nail on the head with a lot of his strengths, but I'm just going to go through, like, some of the narratives that I've seen. Um I do not, there's stuff, especially as evaluators, like, we're not in the draft room, like, we're not meeting with these prospects. Um, We don't yeah. have some of the information, so, like, we have to yeah. be very um aware of that, but at the same time, like, I'm seeing people lump these character concerns or the off-field yes. stuff into motor concerns. I think that is absolutely bonkers to me. <laughs> I, this is some this is one of the worst draft narratives I can ever remember. I do not understand it's up there. how to watch this dude's tape and say that he has motor concerns. Like if if you think that Jalen Carter was like taking plays off, like taking plays off and i'm not saying like you grab like one play where like he's not super involved or like not hustling to the ball 50 yards down the field i'm talking like mm-hmm. if you really think that that is a theme on his tape you do not understand if it's blind play the stuff that they were asking him to do in terms of like for example in college like it's really difficult to generate a ton of sacks because like the quick passing game like the game's just different okay Yes. A guy like Jalen Carter, they run a ton of like twists and stunts. They literally were using him a lot as like a crasher to free other players. He saw a ton of double teams to where like I noticed on times on film, I was picking up that teams in the SEC were not sliding to a numbers advantage. They were sliding to Jalen Carter where he was lined up because they were so afraid that he was going to get a one on one. That doesn't happen a ton at the college level. So, like, all that narrative is stupid. And, like, one of the things, too, that, like, a play that really sticks out in my mind about his motor, go watch the Kentucky game. For one, Kentucky game 2021, one of the best tapes you will ever see from a defensive line prospect. He – they – you talk about couldn't block him. These cats could not block this cat. And one of my favorite plays from that game – Uh, Kentucky's like in the red zone. they run this, um, this play at the Levis is in the gun. They run this play action. He rolls out to the right side of the field. They do a little throwback screen. Carter's on the left. He's like lined up as like a left side three technique. He runs all the way across the field to beat this running back to the goal line and crushes this cat on the sideline where he literally sprints like probably 50 yards. Yes. Um, all in all as a, as a 300 pound defense to tackle. So to me, like when people start lumping these character concerns in with a guy like this that I see on tape who hustles, who plays hard, who does a ton of dirty work that doesn't get recognized in the box score. It just it pisses me off. It really does. I just I just don't think I I just don't agree with it. Um, You know, Carter can again. One of the things I wanted to see in the summer was his him continue to expand his pass rush plan. I feel like he did that. Um, Just a minor concern with him. I do want to see more of a. Um, I think he needed needs to add like a better counter set. Uh, when I feel like in 2022 he would come off with a better pass rush plan, and then he would say like, "All right, like I'm gonna go, you know, speed to power. I'm gonna use a uh, club swim." But if that didn't work, it was like he had this second thought in his head where he was like, "Wait, that move didn't work. Like, what am I supposed to do with?" <laughs> yeah. So like that's that's the only like minor thing, but like. This kid, like, I, I don't know. Like you said, the best the best player in this class, the only two scenarios where I feel like he's not going to be an NFL-caliber defensive lineman, like a starting-caliber defensive lineman, is if off-the-field stuff, character concerns, work ethic, off-the-field stuff like that, or injuries. And, like, I, I know, like, that's an oxymoron because the safe draft prospect probably doesn't exist I just I don't see a scenario where he where he just completely busts. I just other th- other than those two things I mentioned, there's just not an on-field scenario where I don't think he's a useful NFL player. So.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the uh effort uh narrative and uh it's up there with the Kayvon Thibodeau uh talk. It's up there with the Miles Garrett effort talk. The we need to stop doing it. If we don't see if we if we see a guy actually like not showing effort on film, point it out, you know, understand. Problem with these scouts, they're anonymous, they're saying this stuff, and they're not showing us exa- they're not showing us pure examples because there aren't any examples yeah. on of it on film. And I just don't understand it. Like I I, I get it. The off field concerns, don't lump them together. It, yeah. yeah. But that uh that that pretty much concludes uh interior defensive lineman though. Yeah.
1: yeah. Fun episode. Um, fun group to watch. Um, uh, just kind of how I have these guys tiered. I do have like a Grand Canyon size difference in my rankings from Jalen Carter to the next guy. I kind of have all of these like Brian Brzee, um to Keanu Benton type players, like in the top 50, but most of them, like those guys have like second round grades for me. So um, there is like a gigantic tier from like Carter, who I view as like the best prospect in the class to the rest of these guys, but I still see, you know, obviously a lot of good things like we talked about. So um, appreciate you guys hopping on for another um, episode of Steelers draft talk. Please make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel YouTube.com slash all Steelers talk. Uh, Nick and I will be back next week with another positional uh, rankings breakdown. We appreciate you guys. Peace. Peace.